Pastor Joel actually came out last year and preached with Pastor Craig, who just disappeared. Oh, there he is right there. Uh, Pastor Craig, who preached our five-year anniversary last year, and it was such an incredible, wonderful time. And I was so thankful to just uh, borrow a few moments from both those great men to pour into our church, uh, who now, and uh, when we start the spring, it'll be six years old. And so we're excited for that. And yep, our baby boy, Pierce, is on the way. Um, April 15th, we're going to redeem the tax day, y'all, okay? It's going to... It's not just a projected date. We have to do a C-section, so it's, it's good. It's okay. It's all great, but uh, scheduled 7.30 a.m. tax day is going to be a good day, and it's going to be awesome. So our baby boy, Pierce, is on the way. We have a picture, I think, of my cute little family. Uh, yeah, if you could see, that's our, our little baby girl, two and a half years old. She's checked back in there, acting like an amazing angel, I'm sure, like all two-year-olds do. And uh, we, we tried for 14 years and uh, had five miscarriages, and then uh, the Lord blessed us with our angel, and so we got uh, blessed with our miracle baby. Uh, in fact, pastors Joel and Jen uh, and a handful that are here today, we were in Israel in 2020. Uh, when my wonderful wife uh, was in the back of a bus doing all these injections to prepare to get ready to be pregnant, and we were just praying, Lord, take, Lord, let it work, let make, make it happen, do this, get us through. And, uh, and Pastor Joel at one of the sites said, forget about what we're doing in Israel. None of this matters. Let's pull right over here, and we're just going to pray over Landon and Emily, and we're going to pray that this baby is going to uh, bring life and be healthy and whole and mom. And they prophesied and declared and stood with us and faith after 14 years and spoke that into existence. And then right after that, we found out we're pregnant. And then we had a wonderful baby, Adelaide, which is beautiful. And so God is so good. And your pastors are amazing. Your team is amazing. Congratulations on five years uh, as a church because the best is truly yet to come. In fact, before I read the scripture or teach anything today, I'll give you a phrase that you can borrow, not take, but borrow from Arizona, and it's detat deus. Detat deus means may God enrich you. And our state's motto is all about may God enrich. It's actually from where we're going to teach today in Genesis chapter 14 uh, with the blessing of Abraham. How many know are familiar with the blessing of Abraham, right? And so that blessing of Abraham was spoken over our state in 1912. And so I just passed that on just vicariously to this church and spiritually uh, that the best years are ahead of you. And may God enrich every soul and heart and life and home that's in person and online today. And so just write that down, put it in your, make a little wooden, you know, get a little carving in your house. Detat Deus, may God enrich this home and bless your home. Uh, but I want to uh, actually read the word together, and if we can, can we do something a little different since we only, we only have one service, and I'm used to doing uh, six on a Sunday morning, so this is really good. I like this, so this is like easy for us. We do four Sunday morning, then there's a Sunday afternoon, and then there's a Sunday night service, and so uh, with one service, I could preach for like two or three or four minutes and to be totally, you know, no, I'm just kidding, hours, have lots of fun. But I want to uh, uh, read the word together. So will you stand with me? Uh, we're going to read the word out loud. It's found in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 8. This is the story before the story. So I'm going to talk to you about the blessing of Abraham, and that's going to be great. But I think some of you may know about the blessing of Abraham. And I, but I want to propose something to you. 
that there was something before the blessing that you absolutely need to know. Because many of us, if you've heard about the blessing that Jesus wants to put on your life, it's like, yes, I want to receive that. The blessing that God has for me, the blessing of Abraham, the blessing, whatever blessing God is, come on, how many are with me? I want that blessing. But how many, when you stepped out to go out for the blessing, it's like the enemy met you right there in front of you. Life hit you, the world hit, things hit, all kind, family, all those little things, issues, sin, shame, all that kind of stuff. I went to step in the blessing and then there was a battle right in front of me. And let me just tell you, you need to know the battle that brought the blessing because I think that's just as spiritually important as knowing the blessing because trying to step into a blessing that you don't know how to perceive the value of that blessing will cause you only the uh, mishap or mishandling and miscarriage of that blessing. Now, God wants to give you this blessing. You, you know the blessing of salvation because you know the stripes it took. You know the crown of thorns that it took. You know the spear to the side. You know the nails in the hand. You know the nail that went in the feet. You know the pain. You know the battle that Jesus had to go through, that you were lost in sin and shame and death and hell and the grave, and Jesus fought through it all, went to death, went to hell itself, pulled the keys out and said, now I am victorious and you can have eternity and grace and mercy and forgiveness all to a far off. That's what Jesus came. But you know the blessing because you know the battle. Now, when we get into this, you have to see this battle as understanding like, okay, I, I need to know this because I, life just isn't as easy path full of roses that just all of a sudden unfolds for me and I have no struggle. But for every struggle, there is a spirit that God sends to break the struggle. So now with that perspective, let's go into Genesis chapter 14 and verse 8. And it says, and the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah, we're familiar with these guys. All five of these kings that I'm going to read in this verse represent the flesh. And the king of Admah and the king of Zeboam and the king of Bela went out and joined together in battle at the valley of Sidim against Kedorlamer, king of Elam, Tadal, king of the nations, Amphrel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, four kings against five. Now the four kings, I'm going to tell you right now, represent spiritual warfare that we deal with today. In the New Testament, the Bible says your battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities and a darkness that is not of this. Some of your verses say world, but it means age. They're an old world order. But they linger around to try to think they're still in control. And so these spiritual battles, he says, then now in verse 10, it says, now the valley of Sidim was full of asphalt pits and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. So they lost the battle. Five lost against four. Because whatever you're submitted to, the flesh, that spirit will always have control over you. And so they could never get free of them as long as they submitted to them. And so that's where they're not going to get free. The flesh will never get free until you find the right spirit to submit to that will gain the freedom that you so desperately need. And then right here it says this. Now, in verse 11, then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and they went their way. They also took Lot, Abraham's brother's son. So this is where it went wrong. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is where they messed up. This is where they messed up. You touched my cousin. How many got the cousin you don't like? I'm not talking about the cousin you don't like, but the cousin you do like. Your favorite one, right? This is where you touch something you should not have touched. The devil was fine until he touched your family. 
The devil was okay until he touched your marriage, your children. He, the, the devil, he could have done his little thing over there with all those who want to serve him, but the moment he touched anything connected to the house, the people of God, that's when the devil has to pay twice. Where the devil tries to cause division, what he's going to see is multiplication. When the devil tries to hurt a father and a son and split them apart, the devil's going to see two houses rise and be stronger than ever before. And this is where we make the devil pay twice. So now it says, with that, with that just in mind, I need you to see this. The brother's son who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. Then one who had escaped came and told Abraham, the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, the Amorite, brother of Eshcol, and the brother of Aner. And they were allies with Abraham. Now, when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he didn't talk, he didn't think, he didn't plan. He armed his 380 trained servants who were born in his house and, and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Then he divided the 318 among the four kings and he divided them. That's around 79.5. I don't know where the 0.5 goes, but you know, about 79 to 80 people divided against what five kings could not beat. Four, king, four, four little groups of 79 people are about to destroy. And so this is huge. So then, after that, who was born in his house, it says that he divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. Last verse that I want to read. So he brought back, somebody say, take it back. He brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. Lord, I thank you right now that today is a supernatural, spiritual, prophetic day, Lord, that we will step into both being fulfilled and to be fulfilled, that we're going to take back everything the enemy took us. If he took the years, if he took the joy, if he took the peace, if he took the love, if he took a friend, if he took a father, if he took a mother, the devil's about to pay twice. Every attack of the enemy, Lord, is going to come to nothing, and you are going to bring back everything and restore everything plus some, Lord, to each and every one of your children, because the devil shall not prosper. His weapons shall not prosper. His attacks shall not prosper. And if that is true, and you're going to turn all things for the good of those who love you, then, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we don't need to wait till tomorrow. Your word is good right now, just as it is, was then, and will forever be. So, Lord, bring back everything. Bring it all back. If somebody lost your hope, you're going to take it back today. If somebody lost your joy, you're going to take it back today. If somebody lost a loved one, God's going to bring them back today. If you got prodigal sons and daughters lost, God's going to bring them back today. This is a day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And let the righteous, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I thank you, Lord, that you are bringing us into a place, God, Lord, where we can have strategic partnerships that accomplish the mission and the assignment that that you have set before us. Lord, bless today in every word and every action and every deed and everything we do. And let this word, Lord, be made manifest, tangible, applicable to each and every life that we know what to do with it. That it's just not high and lofty. But Lord, it's, it's, it's actual, it's practical that we can walk away from here knowing exactly what to do and how to win spiritual warfare that we are absolutely in. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Amen. Let's give God some praise. Thank him. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. I count it uh, as the most important piece of 
everything that we do uh, during a church service is to hear the word of God. And man, I think that's uh, uh, really important to give it all reverence. Now, if Landon talks a little bit, that's okay. But we really want the Holy Spirit to talk today. At our church, uh, we really believe in hearing the word of God. 93% of the 2,000 people that come to our church at both campuses say that they can hear the voice of God. 92%. Nine, and I have, by the way, 65% of our church is made up of first-generation new believers who've never walked into a church before in their life, and they can hear the voice of God. One of the reasons I credit that to is not only the grace of Jesus Christ, but I also credit to note-taking. <laughs> so I would encourage you to pull out your phone, pull out your notebook, take some good notes. I'm going to give you a lot of meat, a lot of content. And let me tell you, a short pencil is better than a long memory. And uh, when you start taking what God is saying to you seriously, uh, he'll start taking what you're saying seriously. So everybody's got who, uh, chicken scratch, uh, doctor's writing. Write whatever you can down. See if you can transcribe it later, okay? As you step into this note-taking ability, you're going to really be able to step into a place of transformation. We've seen a lot of lives uh, transformed. In six years, God has graced us with more than anything. We don't, I don't like talking about our church that much in a lot of directions other than we're healthy. We're healthy. Healthy things grow. Did you know you never have to worry about growing when you're healthy? When you're healthy, you're going to grow in all the right directions. When you're unhealthy eating Taco Bell, you're going to grow in all the wrong. Anybody with me? Uh, there's grace in this place, but let me just tell you, if you eat the wrong stuff, if you, you want to grow in a healthy way, right, you're going to grow in a healthy way. You just got to pursue health, you gotta, and healthy things grow really well. Um, uh, thank you for uh, uh, le- allowing me the privilege to speak today into your hearts, your minds, your soul, in person and online. Uh, thank you, Pastors Joel and Jen, for letting me, allowing me, and gracing me with this wonderful permission to speak in your house. Pastor Joel and Pastor Jen are incredible. Uh, we've been friends and uh, for a long time, Pastor Joel and I. Uh, uh, we've been friends since I was 18 years old. And then uh, now, 22 years later, uh, I still like him. And so uh, well, he still likes me. And we still like to hang out and have fun. And uh, it's only in the last probably 18, 15 years that we've gotten really close. And over these last several years of planting churches, we've, we've just pulled together uh, in such a way that we sharpen each other, challenge each other, encourage each other. I would call him uh, what I'm going to give you the title of my message today as we're on this relationship series, a strategic partner. I want you to write that down. A strategic partner. You need strategic partnerships in your life. Abraham needed Lot more than you know. And Lot needed Abraham as we all know. And in this strategic partnership, Uh, There is great strength, there's great power, uh, there's great protection, there's great provision, and we see the ability of God to move greater when there's more of us, right? It's not our four and no more. We need everybody around us. We recruit, right? You want to recruit good strength. You need strategic, not just anybody, not happenstance, not coincidence, not just any by friend that's good for good times. I need a brother that's built for adversity. I need a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Can I get an amen? I need somebody like that in my life that where I can say, hey, when it really hits the fan, we're staying closer than ever before. I got another friend in the back row, and my, and my buddy Zach, we've been friends since we were about 16 years old, and everywhere, I, when I travel to preach, if it's anywhere near
hear him. He has been at every service, every time, whether he liked the message or not. And he was like, amen, that's my friend. I'm with him because that's a strategic partner. Because let me just tell you, if somebody knows you that long, they know everything about you. And if they know everything about you, they have plenty of reasons to leave you. But when you have strategic partners, they stay with you in spite of the weaknesses. They stay with you even with the flaws and the failures and the shortcomings. And Lot had plenty of them. This is where we see these power teams built uh, in the NFL. And we see them built uh, for all these teams, right? We had, they, they recruited for the Super Bowl. How many were crying? How many were cheering? How many don't care because you're a Dallas Cowboy fans and this is Texas? <laughs> Either way, let me just tell you, they needed strategic partnerships to win that. In fact, turn to your neighbor, look at them right in your, their beautiful eyes, look at them right now, and say, they needed Taylor Swift. Go ahead. Just tell them. They needed her. To win that Super Bowl, they needed strategic partnerships. You need strategic partnerships in your life. You need to have the right people in the right place. Sometimes it can look like you put them there when it was really who God designed it. It could look like Lot just came with Abraham when really God designed Lot to go with Abraham. Some people say, Abraham, why did you drag this knucklehead of a third cousin around? And no, this is intentional. This is very strategic. You need, in relationships, you need strategic partners that make you better that make you stronger, even in their failures and their weaknesses, because without this battle, there is no blessing. Let me tell you the blessing. Go with me to Genesis chapter 14, verse 19 and 20. How many know the blessing of Abraham, Pastor Joel? The blessing of Abraham is he blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham, God most high, elevation, right? Possessor of heaven and earth, possession, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand, dominion. So God gives us a blessing. Somebody say, I'm blessed. Then right here, look further. There's more blessing. It doesn't stop there. It keeps going. Look at chapter 15 and verse 1. And it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. It says, do not be afraid, Abram, for I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. I love that. The blessing continues. Can I share a little bit more with you? Go to the next page, Genesis chapter 17, verse 4. It says this, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. And no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Now, while God knew that about Abraham, why would God change his name? Why would God change his name? Because his name means nothing when it comes to just his personal relationship with God. He changed it because he wants everybody else to know what God already put inside of him. So that when people see you, they call you by who God says you are, not by who they think you are. And so God will put a blessing on you. God will put favor on you so people identify you as that. So people speak. Because sometimes the change is going to happen in here first before everybody sees it out here. Right, And it's going to happen that way. The, the, just the way we grow, the way we develop, we're going to have to change on the inside. It may take time, but allow that process to happen because God is going to rebrand you. God is going to re-identify you. And as you step into that, that's part of the wonderful blessing of God is that who I used to be is not who I am anymore. 
I'm a lot farther than I used to be. I'm not quite where I want to be, but I'm somewhere in the middle, but I'm definitely farther than where I was. Can I get an amen? Can you just be patient as I kind of get closer to where I want to be? And I'm not quite where I used to be. And I'm in this transition. Abraham is not really with Isaac yet, but he's also blessed and he's, he's stepping, but he needs those strategic people in his life that God brought for a very divine purpose that would echo for eternity. And so with this, I want you to also understand that it speaks to you. If you don't know this, write this scripture down, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. It says that Jesus died so that you could receive the blessing of Abraham to the Gentiles. So you get the blessing of Abraham. Hebrews chapter 7 speaks of this blessing that was passed through Melchizedek for you and I, that we tithe to the house. But as men receive tithe here on earth, God receives it in heaven. So tithe wasn't done with, tithe continues, and why? Because it's all about order, and God putting things in order, God being strategic. So Hebrews chapter 11 continues talking about the blessing of Abraham, and how Abraham was an incredible man of faith. We hear this in James chapter 2, we hear this throughout the New Testament, of God affirming the blessing through Abraham to you and I, and how we step into that blessing. But how can I truly step into a blessing that I don't know what it took to get there? I don't know the battle. Some of you, we only know part of your story. You showed up at church today and you were here. Some of you, you're like, you better thank God I'm even standing here. I didn't raise my hands during worship because you don't know the month that I just had. You don't know what I'm going through in my marriage. I'm barely holding on to the seat in front of me. I'm fighting back the tears within me because I'm about to fall apart. And I got here. You see the blessing of me just being able to stand here, but you don't know the battle that it took for me to get here. Some of you, the reason you were shouting and singing and your hands were raised is because finally you came out of the darkness and you're in the light and you're not falling apart so much anymore. Because, but people only see the blessing and they don't see the battle. Anybody ever fought a battle before that you had to fight for your kids. You had to fight for your marriage. You had to fight for your future. You had to fight for your call. It didn't come free because how you perceive a thing is how you will receive a thing. If you don't know how to perceive it correctly, you'll turn an ally into an enemy because they don't look the way that you think they should. Strategic partnerships are never going to come because you perceive it the way you want it, but you perceive it the way God designed it. And God will bring strategic partnerships Pastor Joel never thought, let me make friends with this tall, little, skinny guy. Or I used to be skinny back in the day. I don't know if I'm still skinny. But I'm going to make friends who wears pajama suits to church. And I'm going to be friends with that. I bet I don't look like the friend Pastor Joel would make on the street. But you know what? God has a strategic partnership here. There's a strategic partnership. But there was a battle to get where we are today in our health and our quality. There was a, oh, there was a huge battle. And there's a spiritual battle can I talk to you about the battle today? Can I talk to you about how the battle echoes from thousands of years ago with Abraham all the way today? And I'll prove it to you. The first king that I want you to write down is these four. First of all, if they have the picture, they can put it up there. But I want you to associate these kings with dark, demonic, spiritual strongholds. These four kings are ancient kings believed from the Tower of Babel. So all the way back. One of them I'll share with you in a little bit is believed to be the either Nimrod's life extended by demonic power or literally a, a descendant of Nimrod of evil. All four of these kings represent demonic strongholds. And through all the studies I've done in research and history, I'm going to show you how much it speaks to today. So I want to give you the first one. The first one 
is you could say it lots of different way, ways, but it's really with a, it sounds like a C-H, but it's really a K. Cador Lamor. Cador Lamer. Cador Lamer. Either way you want to say it, Cador Lamer, right? Cador Lamer is, is an ancient king, and he, his name means merciless. It means without mercy. And where he rules, Elam, means eternal. I rule with mercilessness for eternity. There is a spiritual warfare, make no mistake about it, for every heart and every soul and every life that says, you've gone too far, you don't deserve mercy. You've sinned too much, you're not good enough, you have no mercy for you. There is a spiritual warfare that when people walk through the doors, the first thing they feel is, I'm not a good Christian, how can I be here? I feel like a hypocrite. But there is a, a, there is a mercy that comes new every morning, and it's in Ecclesiastes, but it's also in the New Testament through the Prince of Peace. And let me tell you, Psalms 136, I'll give this to you, Psalms 136 says 36 times over that the mercies of God endure forever. There is a spiritual stronghold and a, a wicked spirit that would want to speak over every single person that that person and those people and that church or that group or that race or those kind, they don't deserve any mercy. But my God, my God is greater. My God's love is greater. My, my God's mercy is greater. There is a battle, a spiritual warfare that we have to speak with words of mercy and grace. We have to fight with this because this spiritual giant is still roaming and lurking and telling you if you don't perform, you're not good enough to be close enough. You don't deserve anybody to be really your ally because if they know what I know, you don't deserve them either. See, God wants to put strategic partners in your life, and we'll talk about the characteristics of Abraham that you need around you, the four. But let me tell you, before we get there, you got to know the battle. And the battle is you don't deserve a good friend. Turn to your neighbor, say, I know I don't deserve you, but I'm thankful for you. Come on, Zach, turn to your wife, tell her. Turn to your neighbor, like, I don't deserve you. I don't deserve my wife. I don't deserve my beautiful angel of a daughter. I don't deserve her, but thank God for his mercy. God bless me with a ministry that grows in spite of me. God bless me with a family that grows in spite of me. God found it merciful to be upon me and say, you know what? Even though you don't deserve it, I got mercy for you. Number two is this. The second king is, is interesting. It's where we get our word tidal wave, tadal. And it actually, did you read it? Did you say tadal, king of the nations? If that doesn't first just speak spiritually to you, I don't know what else will. It speaks of a wicked ancient spirit that thinks he rules over the nations. This is the one who they think is a descendant of Nimrod. His name means, that's where they get it, the name, the meaning Tadal, where we get our word tidal wave, tidal. That meaning means a descendant, a progeny of evil. He is a descendant of evil, of fearfulness. He is a descendant of evil full of fearfulness. And let me tell you, I want to talk to you in person and online. If you don't know that our battle right now is against a demonic, whoremongering of fear 
over every nation. It's not just America where everybody's terrified who will be president. It's not just America who's terrified on who will be elected and what bills and what's right. There is a spirit of fear that would come over. That's why we had to hear it again in the New Testament. We said, I have not given you, come on, help me, the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a... Why would he say power first if it wasn't a demonic stronghold? You don't need power if it's just a feeling. You need power when it is a demonic stronghold that says, I'm going to get you to hate your brother. I'm going to get you to turn on them. I'm going to get you to have fear among them. I'm going to get you to not like that race or those people or over there or over here. I'm going to get you fearful about an election year. Come on, can I preach to somebody? I'm going to get you worried about what will happen because if I can sow this in you, you'll never work together. You'll never find that strategic. You'll always run from each other because you're fearful about what they'll say and what they'll do and what they'll think and what they'll be. And if you share your heart, oh, you better not because you don't know where they stand right now. You don't know if they believe that. Fear would tell you, shh, when God is telling you, oh, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Don't let, the, don't, let the, don't let fear come into your mind and come in your heart. Don't let fear over where God is calling you and who God is calling. Don't let fear speak up when you finally got a new friend, but the last three stabbed you in the back, and you're trying to wonder, should I trust? And God is saying, don't give up on trust. Don't give up on faith. Just because somebody abused the tool does not mean the tool is bad. It means the one who is holding the tool is bad, and you got good people coming around you. You got a good church that you're a part of. You got a great ministry that you're connected to. God has blessed you, highly favored you, and he is leading you, guiding you, directing you. As you step forward, you got to let go of what was and you got to grab a hold of who is coming towards you because the enemy is going to tell you every step. Oh, you never know. Oh, you know, oh, what about there? What about them? They're like, oh, they sound just like the last one. And fear will just constantly speak. The next king that I got to give you is even worse. Write this one down. This is really interesting. Amphrau. Amphrau. Uh, his name literally means to whisper in the darkness. If that doesn't give you a chill up your spine, whisper in the darkness, it means to tell secrets and lies. You know where he rules over? Shinar. You know what Shinar means? Shinar means while they sleep. Not a literal slumber, but while they're not aware, while they're not vigilant, while you're not paying attention. Hey, let me go ahead and slip this lie in about your marriage, about church, about faith, about your kids. Let me, let me kind of slip this lie in while you're not taking care of your kids and parenting them and really telling them the truth that they may not depart from it. Let me kind of slip something in here because I'm going to whisper while you're not paying attention. And you got to be careful to say, okay, God, I'm going to be vigilant. That's what the Bible called. Paul said it. He said, I pray that you be vigilant in your faith. Be vigilant, be vigilant, be vigilant, be vigilant. Be aware, be alert in your faith. Don't let anything stop you. Oaks Church, you're meant to be a mighty oak, growing tall and strong. Don't let the enemy tell you you're supposed to only get as tall as an acorn. Don't let anybody whisper a lie that says your marriage is going to fall apart. Don't let anybody whisper a lie that says, oh, because the economy's not going to do well, God can't really provide for you, so you just launched that business, but get ready for bankruptcy. The devil is a liar. You don't allow the enemy to speak over any area of your life. The moment you hear 
hear a whisper of anything other than that blessed life, anything other than what God has for you, the hope, the promise, the future, if it's anything contradictory, you start hearing that, you shut it down that moment and you say, you know what? It doesn't matter what happens out there because my God said he will provide for every need that I have. And as God provides, I'll be a witness. As God shows up, I'll be a testimony. As God continues to do what only God can do because if it was all circumstantial, we don't need God to do anything. We don't need God to fix the economy. We need God to let the economy do whatever it's going to do and let you thrive in spite of it to get God even more glory. We need a nation. God, do whatever you want with the nation in the White House. Revivals never start at the White House. They always start with his house. Last time I checked in the Bible. But you got to be able to say, okay, God, I, want a sp- I got a spiritual warfare that I got to shift and I got to change and I'm going to make sure I enunciate this really clearly, but we need a holy shift in this place where we don't shift our mind to wherever the world is saying, what the world is thinking, and what politics say. I don't need to be a parrot of politics. I, uh, you ought to be an oracle of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the fourth one that I want to give you before we start the message. Just kidding. <clears throat> I'm teasing. The number four is this other spiritual giant. Uh, it's, he's wicked, evil. Uh, uh, Arioch. Uh, Arioch. <clears throat> Arioch is dangerous. Because he, it's almost like a, a word that we hear in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. His name actually means like a lion. Because the devil can't be a lion. Because we serve the lion of Judah. He can't create, so he must imitate. And while he may think he has a roar, it's more like a purr. And you don't need to mistake the enemy's little scratch at the door for anything you need to give attention to. Once you write the scripture down, just feel it like you need to know it. First Peter chapter five, verse eight is the scripture where we hear that the devil is like a lion. Like a roaring lion, a devourer. That's what his name means. Like a lion, the devourer. But even more interesting is where he rules. Where he rules, this, this kingdom is actually named after a god. And it means the revolting god. Or not disgusting, but rebellious. It means rebellious god. So he's like a lion who rebelled. And this devourer can only consume in rebellion. So this spiritual battle, the devil can only consume. This spiritual giant can only consume where there is rebellion. Malachi chapter 3 says it like this. He says, if you put God first, he'll rebuke thee. Look at your Bibles. The devourer. This is a spiritual battle that has echoed from Abraham all the way through the minor and major prophets, all the way to the New Testament. And now we see this spirit alive today that the enemy is going to tell you there's not enough. The enemy is going to tell you that if you're, if you're doing well, somebody else is doing worse. The enemy is going to tell you if you're doing good in those areas, then don't be prepared because you can't do good in all areas. You can't have your cake and eat it too. That last time I checked, there wasn't one word in that scripture of prophetic that said, I have a hope and a future, but not always that great. 
No, he said, I have a hope and a plan and a future for you and a promise for you. No, there's not one single word where we're waiting for the other shoe to finally drop where you got to have most of the areas of your life doing well, but you just got to suffer through that one area, never getting any better. If you got a prodigal son and daughter and the enemy has whispered a lie and told you you're never going to get him back, God sent me here on an assignment that said, you know what? I will reconcile. I will restore. I will bring back all of those things and you're going to have a take it back spirit from now on, Oaks Church. We got to have a take it back spirit. You want to take my nation? Shouldn't have touched the devil. You were fine while you messed around somewhere else, but the moment you touch my house, my family, my joy, my nation, my city, my country, my church, that's where you messed up. If the devil comes against my brother, that's when the brother shows up and says, I stick closer than a brother. You know, I'm going to be right by you, Joel. We're going to build this kingdom together because he's not alone. And I hope you're not alone either. And Lot was taken in this battle, but Abraham went out and said, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. I thank God that I have a friend. I have a family member. I have somebody in my life that has enough umption, that has enough little fire in their belly to say, oh, I can't sit back there. You need help? Do you need I'm, I'm coming. Somebody in your life that says, no, no, I'm not going to let the devil speak to you in the middle of the night and tell you you're not good enough, tell you you're not worthy enough. I'm not going to let the enemy pull your marriage apart and take your kids apart. I wish somebody would get a strategic partner in their life that you pull a alongside or become that and say, I, I will fight for those who God put in my life. I'm going to fight for your marriage. I'm going to fight for your kids. I'm going to fight for my nation. I'm going to fight for my city. Y'all don't know me, but this dog knows how to fight. I've been put in situations where I was told you're not good enough. You're not big enough. You can't make it happen. And I, every time I just square myself back and say, the devil is a liar. God called me to do great things. God put me in Flagstaff, Arizona, where they worship vortexes and crystals and all kinds of things. And they told me, they said, there will never be a good big church here because churches don't get over 250. Churches don't reach over a good number. Churches never see that kind of breakthrough right now. People don't worship like that. And after 2,000 people now coming to the church and hundreds and hundreds of people getting saved at our church and we stream to every prison in the state of Arizona and we're seeing thousands of people give their lives to Jesus. I could tell the devil straight to his face, you don't know Jack. You didn't know I had a, you picked the wrong fight because you fought with a guy who has a take advantage mentality. You tried to take what belonged to the Lord's. You tried to take that hill. You tried to take that city. You tried to hold that. And God sent me to say, you better take back my city. It never belonged to him from the beginning. Some of us, we, we think we need to take back America. It never was taken. God didn't put you here so that you could lose what was already in yours. You, you, you could step in and say, okay, God, this is mine. The devil can't have that. What did he have it for like a scripture? What did we, we read it? He literally, he walked like this and Abraham heard about it. And all of a sudden he's like, just give it on back before I kill you. With 79 men, he went and had to take it back spirit. You got to have that take it back spirit. They told me I wasn't good enough. Somebody told me, shoot your dream in the face. You don't hear from God. I hear from God for you. I said, that's okay. I love you and forgive you. But there's a spiritual giant right now trying to whisper and tell me a lie that I know isn't true. So I'm going to have to stand firm on my word. Pastor Joel had an anointing on his life. And the devil tried to tell him, you better stop. You better shut up. You better get quiet. You better give up and give in right now. And pastors Joel and Jen Scribner said, no, we got an anointing. We got a calling. 
We got something to do in us. We, we can't just sit here idle. We got to build a ministry. We got to build a house. We want to build a house that lasts, a house that's strong as an oak, a house that continues to grow and grow other churches. In your first five years, what are you doing planting other churches? You ain't big enough to plant another church, but yet the Spirit of God is on this church. The grace is upon this house, and you are doing things that don't make sense. You're blessing missions all around the world, and it's way ahead of schedule, and God will help you accomplish in one moment, one verse, what the enemy tried to do over your whole life. And now, now Abraham goes out, and he comes back, and he's, square, he's like, let's go get him. Now, the cool part about this is this. I want you to think about strategic relationships. Everybody good with it? Are y'all good receiving anything? Okay. Strategic relationships, as you're seeing this, I, I want you to see these, these, these uh, four groups that have to split between the four kings. Abraham, there's not four of him, so Abraham had to go to one. So that means there had to be three other Abrahams. The spirit of Abraham had to be in three of those other guys because that means it couldn't just be Abraham. It can't just be Pastor Joel. It just can't be Pastor Lynn. It's got to be a handful of other people saying, hey, I'll go take that one. I'll take that hill. Oh, we want to change what? We want to change the education system? Great, I'm on it. Let's go make that happen. Hey, we want to go in the mission field? Great, I'm on it. Let's go make that happen. And you start taking those spiritual territories. You start conquering those spiritual giants. And you start seeing the city flip upside down. Now, all of a sudden, I got Channel 7 Fox News. All the, from the valley, calling me and saying, hey, Pastor Landon, will you start putting your sermons uh, on, our, on, our, on our channel, on Fox? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, when do you want it? Every day. Every day. Hey, hey, will you stream to the whole state every day? I remember somebody telling me, you, your preaching is terrible. And some of y'all are probably like, well, it's not that far off. But, and you know what? They, 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 it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about my skill. It doesn't matter about my talent. It matters about my anointing. Doesn't matter about whether Abraham had 318 or 300,000. It matters that he was anointed to win that battle. It matters that he knew he was anointed to win that battle. It, it knew, he knew before anybody else knew. Before there was a scripture that said, He'll never leave me nor forsake me, Abraham knew it in his heart. God will never abandon me. And Abraham had to walk it out before he had a quote or a tweet or anything else to empower him. He said, I will step out. And these are the four major characteristics that you need in a strategic partner, right? these down. Abraham embodied these all throughout scripture. And the first one, you know, you know this one. We said it many times. He's a father of many nations. He's a father of nations. And you need the spirit of your heavenly father in you. You need a spiritual father over you. And you also need fathers around you. Jesus said it like this. There are many teachers, but not enough fathers. Now this isn't necessarily just gender specific because it means to protect, to provide, and to empower that's what the nature of a father is. So when the enemy comes in mercilessly, I got a father that protects me. When, when the enemy comes in and tries to destroy me and devour me, I got a father that empowers me. When fear tries to override, I got a father who speaks life into me. You got to have a father. Pastor Joel and I, we're closer to the same age than we are being a father figure to either one. But there are times when my brother is going through all hell. And that's when I pick up the phone and I say, hey, no, you were made for more. God's got something on you. That's the devil is a liar. You're going to do something incredible. It's going to be twice as good. It's going to be just as bad. And you just start speaking like, because that's what a father does when the son falls down on the field. Father comes up and pulls him up and says, no, it's all right. Dust yourself off. You got more in you, buddy. Let's go. Let's keep doing this because you need that a strategic partner in your life. When there's whispers of lies about you, who do you need? I need a father that speaks the truth. 
I need a voice that comes back with reason, not feelings, that speaks into my heart and speaks into my mind. The second thing that he was is what? He had faith. We all talk about this. He was a man of faith. He believed, and it was accredited to him as righteousness. So write this down. I need a strategic partner out of the five or four or three or two or one person around me. I need a father voice in my life. And I need a faith in righteousness voice in my life. I need that spirit in my life. You want to know how important this is? When the world speaks fear, I need to have somebody who speaks faith in the righteous of God. I, when, when everybody says, oh, it's going to hell in a handbasket, the Bible says that the righteous, come on, how many know scripture? The righteous shall never be forsaken. That's when you need somebody to speak up and say, don't you worry about what the world's doing. Don't you let fear speak anymore into you. Don't let them talk to you about the book you're supposed to write, the album's supposed to launch, the business you're supposed to do, the family you're supposed to grow, the kids you're supposed to have. Don't worry. Parents, let me talk to parents. You don't need to worry about anybody teaching your kids anything when they have the truth in them, I'm going to speak to you like a man of faith. And a man of faith says when the righteousness is put inside of them, there's nothing that can take it from them. When you tell them how salvation comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and they need to live holy before the Lord, there is nothing that can corrupt the righteous of God. Can I get a better praise in this place? You got to have faith not just in God, faith in righteousness. The righteous shall prevail. The righteous shall stand up. The righteous will do well. The righteous will prosper. The, the scripture goes on and on and on. I have faith in the righteousness of God. We all know these are attributes of Abraham, yet many of us think that's his and not ours. And I'm telling you, if you receive the blessing, you need to receive the tools and weapons of his warfare. If you are going to receive the blessing of Abraham, you cannot do it haphazardly and not know how he fought. Abraham fought the same spiritual giants that you and I face, but we want to receive the blessing and have no sword. I want to go out and I want to attack, but I have nobody with me. And yet Abraham didn't even go alone. And you need to have somebody in your life that speaks with that tone like a father of not just one, but over many, over the whole nation. You need that faith and righteousness. You need to be able to say, okay, God, I have faith in the righteousness of God. I have faith that he made me righteous and he'll never leave me. So when the devourer comes in and tells you, I'm going to take your children from you today, you can look right back and say, no, you're not allowed to because there's a line here that you're not allowed to touch God's righteous. You can't touch them. You can't even speak to them. You can't even go near them. And you continue to speak faith and righteousness. What was the third thing that Abraham was really known in? How many know it? James chapter 2. I quoted earlier. He is a friend of God. I need a strategic partner who's a friend Right? I need a friend of God kind of voice in my life. When everybody else has abandoned me, where are my real friends at? That don't leave you, no matter what. When, you, when, you, when you're doing great and when you're doing terrible. When you're up, when you're down. When you're good, when you're bad. How many? I, I need a friend when I'm making a lot of money and when I'm making no money. I need a friend with me when my marriage is doing well and when they want to avoid us while we're arguing in a restaurant. I, I need a friend that sticks closer uh, than a brother. I need a friend that would lay down his life for me. I need 
need a friend of God that says, you know what? Before Abraham knew these scriptures, he said, if anything I know, I know that I am a father. I know that I'm a man of faith. And I know I am a friend of God. Before anybody told him he was a friend, he knew God spoke that over him. When was the last time you came in and you worshiped like you were worshiping with your BFF? Come on. How many know what I'm talking about? You went home and you told, I'm going to come down. Can I come down, Pastor Joel? Am I allowed to do that? Okay, I'm doing it anyway. And when you, when you go home, you're, me and my wife, we do this. She's my best friend. So we tell Alexa, Alexa, play dance party music. Oh. And how many dance? Like, you know, nobody's watching that whole thing. But you really dance because she knows you have no good moves. And you know she's got some, but we're just going to go ahead and dance anyway because it doesn't matter. Because you're dancing with your best friend. When was the last time we came into praise like that? When was the last time you came in to pray like that? When was the last time you read your word instead of reading it like this disconnected, distant deity, you read it like it was a letter from a long lost friend? You read it like, when was the last time you connected with somebody who has a relationship with God that feels like they're close with God too and they understand that when I hear God, they know the feeling and we can resonate and we can sharpen each other because you need a strategic partner who doesn't just kind of know God. Can I preach to somebody? You need somebody who is a friend of God that says, no, when I wake up in the morning, I don't look anywhere else. I just spend time with the Lord. I got to get in the word. I got to get in prayer. You need somebody in your life who talks like that, like in the morning, they're just sipping their cappuccino and they're like, well, I was talking with the Holy Spirit today while I was eating my eggs and bacon. And he just, you know, was talking to me about, and you know who was like that? Pastor Gordon Banks for me. Every time I would hear Pastor Gordon Banks, a mentor, pastor in Seattle, he, he would, he would, way he preaches, it sounded like he woke up just talking with God as he walked. And I said, that's what I want. You need a strategic partner in your life that sounds like, how did you get that from reading that scripture I've read my whole life? I, I never got that before. I need a friend of God. Is this ministering to anybody today? I need a friend of God that when I call them, they could talk to me like they just talk with God about me. Like this isn't some strange thing. Like I'm talking to you like you heard a word from God from me. Because I'm not talking to a stranger. I'm talking to a friend of God. I need a strategic partner in my life like that. The last one is, is really important. And you know it, but you may not be aware of it. It's fruitful and favored. Wasn't Abraham fruitful? Did you know Abraham was fruitful before Isaac? Did you? When God told him, let's go walk. I'll show you the nation I'm going to give with you. Somebody say fruitful. And then when he got out to there, he got there. And then his little tribe started to grow. It started to outnumber the nations around him. Somebody say fruitful. And he was fruitful then. And he knew the moment he took his first step with God, he was fruitful and favored. It wasn't until later that people would say, oh, he's fruitful. Oh, he's over many nations. Oh, he's a father. They would all declare it later. But Abraham knew on my first step I was fruitful. How many knew the moment you said, Jesus Christ, I need you in my life. From that moment when grace came over you, you aren't working towards fruitful. You are starting from fruitful. You aren't working towards favor. You're starting from favor. And what you need to echo for all eternity is you need to echo that I am fruitful and faithful favored of God. And you need to get around other people who are fruitful. This is how I say it to my church. I can't afford to be friends with losers. I can't. Come on. Is that okay to talk champion in here? We're talking to a gold medalist here. When you're talking like a champion talk, it's because I can see fruitfulness in you. I just need you to see it too. 
I can see favor on you. You need to see it too. And you need to see yourself as a champion. You need to see yourself as more than a conqueror. You need to see yourself as the victor, not the victim. You need to see yourself as the head, not the tail. You need to see yourself as a Deuteronomy blessing kind of person that you are above and not beneath. You need to see yourself that you're fruitful because I, I can't afford to have a lot of broke friends. I can afford to have a few. I can't afford to have a lot of broke friends. And what I mean by broke is spiritually broke. That every time that we get around, you are more of a drain than you are a fill. I need fruitful people in my life. I need favored people in my life. We don't need to build a church full of people who are still waiting to work towards fruitful. The moment you receive Jesus Christ in your life, you receive the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Somebody, who, who am I preaching to? Love, joy, peace. Somebody smile. If you got joy, you got one fruit, smile, at least smile. In fact, slap your neighbor one more time and say, smile, we're at church. You better smile. We're at church. We're, we're, we're fruitful. We have love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness. We have all the fruits of the Spirit. You are gifted and endowed by the Holy Spirit. I need a friend of God when the enemy whispers lies at me. I need a fruitful and favored friend that when I feel defeated, they speak life and wins. Pastor Joel and I do this back and forth all the time. When I'm feeling down, he says, hey, let's go over wins. And we just talk about how much we're winning. He said, you can't argue with winning. Can't be winning. Just keep winning. And we just go back and forth and back and forth. And then all of a sudden, I went from this lowly, depressed, uh, throwing a pity party with my tiny violin and small plate of cheese. And then I just started saying, you know what? I need to rise above this because I am not defeated. I am victorious. I am favored. I am fruitful of God. God has blessed me. God has covered me. I may be going through all hell. Now, let me talk to some of you who are just this message isn't hitting his home as it should. I'm not talking like a man who's got it all worked out. I've got family that right now we're praying to be totally delivered of heroin. I got family that are going through all hell in divorces. I got family, not distant. I'm talking about family that are going through all kinds of hell and addictions and problems and issues. I am not talking like a man who has no problems. I am talking like a man who my promises are bigger than my problems. And even though I have family, and loved ones that are going through all kinds of trouble, I know that one day God will deliver them. I know that one day we're going to take that back too. I know that today might be the very day that that family turns their life around, that the marriage gets reconciled, that the healing takes place, that all of a sudden we see transformation like never before. But I got to start from strategic partnerships in my life that say, hey, you're not working towards victory. You're starting from victory. And these spiritual giants were beaten by Abraham. They were beaten by others. They were beaten by Jesus, and you just need to step up into your rightful place as Oaks Church and say, we are not trodden, we are not pressed down, we are not destroyed, but we're going to stand up and we're going to become all that God created us to be. Come on, can we give God a bigger praise in this house, online and in person? Come on. This is a huge thing that we can step into, the victory, the blessing, the anointing, the favor, the fruitfulness that God has called you to step into. I need somebody who speaks like that in my life. I hope you went through all four of those and you identified what you need. And you start being prepared that God might bring you somebody who doesn't look like that because all the while you have been thinking about Abraham. But I'm telling you right now, Lot was just as important to Abraham as Abraham was to Lot. If Lot had not had gotten in the trouble that he did, Abraham would have never received the blessing he got. Some friends you're looking to to be perfect. Some strategic partners you're looking for them to be so polished, but yet Lot was living in Sodom. 
Some of them you think they have to look like the one where all the great stuff is going to come, like Jonah, like Joe, right? Joe is amazing, right? He's been doing this for a year. He looks like a champion, looks like an incredible man. Come on, give it up for your worship team. They're amazing. Josh Dufresne, like, you got, you got the best. This is amazing. Our stage is like half this size, and we just keep cramming people till there's a line out the door, and we're like, just worship, then get out of here so we can get another one in. And this amazing man, he, he, he looks like the full package. He looks like the amazing, great man of God. But sometimes God will send you something that looks different. He'll send you a lot. And lots don't always look like a lot. They look rough. They look like that project third cousin. They're like, ugh. They're family. <laughs> I got to help them. If you weren't laughing, it's probably because you're that third cousin. <clears throat> but you, you <laughs> but Lot, I mean, I have to emphasize this because if you know scripture, you know where I'm going. Lot didn't look like a lot. Lot looked like the problem. And sometimes you think that you've got to be perfect before you get an Abraham. Sometimes you think you've got to be all good and great before you get the one you need in your life. And yet Lot was totally corrupted, sinful, not good. He, he would end up, I'm going to keep it as PG as I can, he ended up sleeping with his own daughters after his wife died. He produced through those daughters, he produced the Moabites. The Moabites would produce two daughters, Ruth and Orpah. Ruth and Orpah would marry two sons of Naomi. And when they married the sons of Naomi, those sons would die and Naomi would stay with them and Orpah would leave, but Ruth would stay. And Ruth would eventually, as a Moabite, get reconnected as a Semite to the Jewish people through who? How many know your scripture? Boaz. And then Boaz and Ruth would produce Obed, and Obed would produce Jesse, and Jesse would produce, how many know this scripture? David, and David, the lineage of David would go all the way to Jesus. Sometimes you look like the broken one, and sometimes you look like the one put together. Don't look for strategic partners that always look the part that you want it to be. Sometimes the one that God put closest to you is the one that you're supposed to fight the most for. You might not even know why or where it's going, but God has a future. God has a destiny. Why would God put us together all those years ago? We didn't know back then, but God said there'll be a day 20 years from now that you're going to need each other. You're going to have to fight for each other. You don't either look like very much right now, but soon one day you're going to be like fine wine. Hallelujah. And you're going to get to that place, but God is calling you to a place that sometimes you're going to connect with people and you're going to get joined in with people and you're going to say, I'm waiting for the right one, the better one, the big one, the good looking one, the wealthy one. And God is saying, until you're faithful with that one, I'll never give you another one because who I put around you, the church I put you in, you need to fight for This is, this, is, this is what you need to fight for. I want to fight. I want to stand for our nation. I want to turn our nation back. Now, how about you learn how to fight for your own community first? We haven't even beat the, the spirit of fear in our own home, but we want to turn the nation back to Jesus. That's not going to happen. But if you can win in your home, if you can win in your house, 
you'll start changing the next house. If you can see revival on your block, you'll see revival in the nation. Revivals don't start at the top, they start at the bottom. Change didn't happen from the kings. Change happened from a nomadic wanderer named Abraham. There were all the kings and none of them did anything. Abraham did and had no title. But God spoke over him, kings will come from you. Because royalty is in you. While you're looking for everyone else to be the biggest changing agent, I'm here to tell you, God sent me on an assignment as your five-year anniversary, a spiritual anointing. You are that strategic partner. If you fight for and with each other instead of against, uh, your pastor is setting the example. He's working with other pastors in your city. There's like a whole group in there. Yeah, a whole group. These guys are weird. They like to be with each other. And let me tell you, that's not normal. I, I'm in our city. There's a bunch, there's 75 churches in our city. That seems like very little to y'all, but that's a lot for our size. And 75 churches, I, I, I get along with two. <laughs> that's the two who like me and want to be near me. Yeah, Jen's, Pastor Jen's laughing the hardest. She's like, I know, yeah, because I, I, I may be difficult to handle, right? But let me just say, I get along with two. And I'm trying to get along with more. It's not just an easy thing that just happens, but it's also something you got to fight for. And Pastor Joel is fighting a spiritual warfare, and it cannot just be him. It must be a whole church that says, hey, I'm going to work with other ministries and houses and churches. I'm going to bring unity at all costs. I'm going to bring brotherhood. I'm going to stand together. I'm not abandoning. I'm not leaving. I'm not cutting off. I'm not destroying. I'm not burning bridges. I am building bridges, and I will do whatever it costs to do that. Because I'm going to take back what the enemy stole from McKinney. I'm going to take back what the enemy stole from DFW. The enemy has stolen too much from you. Today's the day that you take it all back. Won't you stand with me? We'll pray. And then Pastor Joel could come over and take over. But, but I want to lead you in this opportunity to receive this. And we went a little bit different today. Pastor Joel just got one service. And we wanted to speak it all together and have this time together. But let me just tell you, as we're all gathered together in one longer service for the day, as this stretched you in some ways, let it stretch your faith. Let it stretch your heart. Let it stretch your mind. Let it stretch your hope. Let it stretch your joy. Let it stretch, your, let it stretch you in such a way that you, you start fighting together, standing together, praying together like never before. That you stand together like a mighty oak, never divided. Oh, that's beautiful. I see like everybody joining hands in all these first front rows. Oh, now all the way. Oh, wow. Okay, come on. Keep joining. Yeah. And they're just doing it from uh, side to side. Is this what y'all do every day? No? Okay. They're all doing it. <laughs> Join hands. And, and, and unless they got a really sweaty hand, then just hold, lock elbows. But this is huge. This is power right here. This is power. When you get a corporate agreement you get corporate blessing. And when we found true unity in Flagstaff, there was a line out our door, not for because Bridge was so cool. We, uh, let me give you a picture. We have three or 400 young adults that come from the university, a university that literally detests God and church and speaks out loud against it. Hundreds and hundreds of kids coming through the door. And all those kids piled in with a line outside the door one, one night, a night service. And then all of a sudden, I have videos of it. They're all, they're everywhere. They're just laid out, kneeling down, humbling themselves before the Lord, seeking purity and holiness and godliness. 
And that right there, that's, that's, where the, that's where the real good stuff is at. This right here, same thing. When you see that, you're gonna see total transformation in this ministry, in this city. This is gonna be stronger. This is, a, this is going to echo what you're doing right now is gonna echo for thousands of years to come. You'll be that Abraham. You're gonna be that lot. You're gonna be that wonderful advocate and fighter and strategic partner says, this is what we're gonna build. This is how we're gonna build it. So I wanna pray with you and pray God blesses. And I want you to pray since we're holding hands for the person on your right and on your left and pray for them like they're your own family. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, that you are moving in our midst. Come on, saints, I need you to pray out loud. If you know how to pray in tongues, pray in tongues. If you know how to prophesy, prophesy. This is a time where we lift up our voice and we declare as one that the body of Christ is going to shine with more mercy than ever before, more grace than ever before, more love than ever before, more truth than ever before. We're going to build ministries that just don't rise and fall, but ministries that last and last and last and last because we're built knowing the battle and we're built knowing the blessing. And Lord, we thank you, God. We're stepping out and we're doing spiritual warfare. We're going to fight against this spirits, God, that try to rule over our city, our state, and our nation. We speak against fear right now. We speak against, Lord, the enemy who would whisper lies in our ear. Come on, just speak truth right now, believer. Speak truth. Lord, I speak truth over every heart, every mind, every soul. Lord, right now, let the truth set them free in the name of Jesus. We rebuke the devourer. God, Lord, we rebuke that spirit. This house is in order. This house is healthy. This house will thrive. Oaks Church, your best days are ahead of you. May God enrich you. May God bless you. May God provide for you. And let the name of Jesus shout, shout from this place all over the Metroplex. And Lord, I thank you, God, that you are going to echo from here as a beacon of hope and light and health and healing and holiness. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.